Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Amen. All right, this is uh, the kind of training for intercessors, and I want you to pay very close attention. And just like he said, um, I'd wish to have your projector on so that you can see the, and you can move a little bit faster. But all the same, I'm sure you have your Bibles. If you don't have, just write down the scriptures. Then when you get back, you should be able to go through them. Um, let me first give a simple definition of the word intercessor and what he already stands for. Now, when you look at the book of Luke, chapter 11, reading from verse 1 uh, all through verse number 8, you're going to find a story how Jesus illustrated the man that went to a visitor, I mean to a neighbor, because he had a visitor. And uh, he needed food for the visitor. And uh, we are told that the man was saying he was already in bed. He would not be able to come out. Right? To give the, uh, the neighbor food for the visitor. But when you look at verse 7 and 8. Luke chapter 11 and 8. 7 and 8 says, And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut. And my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. But verse 8 said, and I say unto you, though you will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needed. The word is importunity. That's what I want you to see there. The word importunity means to cause to entreat. It means to fall upon, to cause to entreat to fall upon, to make intercession. So the word importunity means intercession or intercessor. Meaning intercessors have the ability to entreat or to keep speaking for one thing or over a thing until they get results. You see, this individual went and asked him for food for his friend that just visited. And the Bible is made not to understand the matter. Oh, I'm already in bed. I can't come out to give you what you're asking for. But the Bible is saying, but well, because he persisted, that is the importunity. Because he kept on interceding, he kept on asking, he kept on knocking, if you will. The Bible said, he's going to be able to come out and give him what he wants. So... That is the very simple definition of the word intercession, importunity. Ability to pray over one thing for as long as you want that thing done. By implication, an intercessor can stand to pray for something until that thing is done. Meaning, if you come in here praying as intercessors, you could have just one object in mind, or objective in mind, or goal in mind. And you want that goal to be achieved. And you keep praying over that thing. Even at home, you keep praying over that thing. 
until that thing is done. Meaning, the spirit of the intercessor is not the spirit that gets discouraged instantly. As in, as in, so you don't get discouraged instantly. Even if you have not gotten the result, you're not going to stop. You're not going to get weakened because you have not gotten the result. You're still going to keep on pressing. You see this man keep knocking and knocking on the door. Let me have bread for my friend I've visited. And he said, I won't be able to get up. But the Bible said, because of that intercessory spirit, the man said, he would get up finally and give him more than even what he needed. So the spirit of the intercessor is a spirit that is never discouraged. So if you're truly born as an intercessor, if you walk in as an intercessor, if you come to the place where you really want to be an intercessor, then you can't be discouraged if you ask him for something until it's done. Amen? Okay. Another simple definition again I'm looking for, I'm going to give to you again, is from Isaiah 59. Uh, we look from verse number 12. It's a little bit of a long reading. Maybe I have to read fast. So all you need to do is to write it down. Uh, let me read from verse number 12 of Isaiah 59. An interesting passage as well. And this is what it says. For our transgressions are multiplied before thee, as I speak it, and our sin intensifies against us. For our transgressions are with us, and for our iniquities we know them. He said, in transgressing and in lying against the Lord, and departing away from our God, speaking oppression, and revolt concerning uttering from the heart, words of falsehood. And judgment is turned down, I mean, turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off, for truth is falling in the streets, and equity cannot enter. Verse 15 says, Yea, truth faileth, and he that departed from evil maketh himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment, not that. And verse 16, And he saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness is sustaining. He wondered. I want you to look at it. We are saying things going on in society, all manner of things going on, and nobody bothers about it. Now that tells you something. What people don't see, the intercessor sees them. Intercessors can truly stand injustice. Intercessors can stand falsehood. Intercessors can stand oppression. In other words, intercessors cannot see people being oppressed and they close their mouths. That is not to say they confront the people, but they pray to change the oppressive spirit that is prevailing at a particular time. Are you following this? Amen? Right. Like verse 15 says here, Truth Felix. And he that departed from evil maketh himself a prey, and the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment, and next thing, and he saw that there was no man. So, the first thing, let me know. The first thing you have to understand is, who is a man? When the Bible describes a man in this context, it's not talking about gender. A man is the one who knows the mind of God, and wants the mind of God to be done. 
They said there was no man. And wonder there was no intercessor. So intercessor is a man who sees the way God sees, understands the way God understands, sees the pains of God, sees the injustice that God sees to be an injustice, sees the lie that God sees to be lies. That is the man that God is calling an intercessor. We are not talking about male and female. We are talking about the spirit that works in an individual that enables that individual to see what is wrong because God sees that that thing is wrong. And it tries to remedy the situation by intercession prayers, by standing firm for what God will want. That's the intercessor. So when you say, and he found that there was no man, it's not because there was no man in the streets. I don't know if you understand that. There were men in this society, but he said, he found that there was no man. Meaning, he couldn't see a man that can stand between him and what is going on so that he can change the situation. This is the spirit of the intercessor. And so, it's, it's very powerful. I want you to get that. So, you get a simple definition. Praise the Lord. Now, if I look at the word in a simple definition, intercessor from the Hebrew word is paga. Paga. Right? Now, it's a root word which means to entreat, to fall upon, to make intercession, an intercessor, to entreat, and so on and so forth. In English, intercession or intercessor simply means the act of intervening as to mediate a dispute. By implication, two persons are having problem, you come between the two to settle the dispute. So now God is angry, you stand to mediate between God and the people that He's angry about. I will show you later. But the simplest way you can see in an intercessor is the case of Genesis chapter 8. We don't have time to read that now, we may touch it later. But you see, when God said he wanted to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, you know the story, right? Good. What happened? We are made to understand that Abraham came and said, what about if I find 50 in the city? So I will save it. What about if I find 30? I will save it. If I find 10, I will save it. You understand that? Abraham was interceding. That's what he's saying. So, it's like God is saying when I say, when he said, I saw no man, he pays God that there is no one to intercede when God wants to pass judgment on the land. And you cannot intercede unless you first know the mind of God. You see, God spoke to Abraham and he said, first of all he said, I can do nothing without fair revealing to Abraham, for I know he will raise up his children in the way of the word of the Lord. You see that? So now, Abraham got to know what God intended to do. That is why he began to pray. So an intercessor is a man that knows the mind of God. An intercessor is the one that knows what God wants to do for time. You are not just an intercessor just because you know how to pray. No. We are going to be able to see how that it is not enough to pray. But you have to know the mind of God to be able to pray. 
when it comes to being an intercessor. You are mediating. It's a prayer to God on behalf of another person. It is actually prayer. So, Jeremiah, for instance, read Jeremiah, for instance. Look at Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse number 16. Jeremiah 7, 16, the Bible says, Therefore pray not thou for these people, neither lift up, cry, nor prayer for them, neither make intercession to me, for I will not hear thee. Why? Because the intercessory prayer of the intercessor has a lot of effect and God heals it. So, here Jeremiah, God is speaking to Jeremiah. So, look, I'll see what these people have done. Are you there with me, Jeremiah? Jeremiah chapter 7, 16, I just read. You can read from the top if you want. But if you look at this particular passage, God is saying, I don't want you to pray for these people. Did you see that? I don't want you to pray for them. I don't want you to intercede for them. I remember God gave me this scripture some time ago. I think around 1989. Yeah, right. 1989, something happened when I was in the school. And uh, something happened. I think I, I lost the student. I kind of punished a student. And the student came from a very big family in the community. So they reported. And then they said they were going to come all the way from Portaikot to meet with me in Jankerman because of what I've done. How dare me touch, as it were, a royal child. <laughs> you know, as a teacher. So they were coming to come. So I, I just made on to pray, and the Lord just gave me the scripture. Pray not for the good of these people, for I know what I'm going to do. I don't know if you understand that. That's the intercession. So God can ask you to pray for people, He can ask you not to pray for people. The point I'm raising is this an intercessor knows the mind of God, He knows what God said should be done and what should not be done. Yet Jeremiah, God is saying, don't pray for the people. Then when he comes to Genesis 18, Abraham was praying for Sodom and Gomorrah. You see the different thing? Right. So it's not about praying. It's about knowing why to pray and why not to pray, when to pray and when not to pray. It's not just about prayer. Praise the living God. And one of the reasons God was speaking to Jeremiah not to pray for the for the people was because the intercessory prayer has a lot of influence and impact on God. It can literally make God change his mind for what he wants to do. I don't know if you're getting this. Amen? It can make God change his mind. But here God was like saying, I'm not going to change my mind. I want to punish these people. Right? Okay. So, you see, in Genesis 18, God was ready to change his mind. I don't think they're that. Good. God said he wanted to destroy the city, but then Abraham began to pray. So God was ready to change his mind in Genesis 18. But, in Jeremiah 7, God was not ready to change his mind. Are you getting what I'm saying here? Good. So he's saying, don't entreat me. Don't intercede on behalf of these people. Don't make me change my mind. So I want you to see how powerful the intercessory prayer really is. 
Are you there with me? Praise the Lord. Okay. So, this is very, very crucial. And I want you to get this point. It's going to help you when you need to pray, when you ought to pray, and how you ought to pray. It's going to help you. Knowing when God wants you to pray, knowing where God doesn't want you to pray. And even when God doesn't want you to pray, it's because God has made up in mind he wants to do something. But again, that is not to say you could stop praying because if you love the people and you don't want punishment come upon them, your intercessory prayer can make God change his mind. You see what happened in Luke chapter 11? The man doesn't want to come out, he doesn't want to leave the bed, but because the intercessor was always there, I need prayer for my friend, I need prayer for my friend. You see what I'm saying now? The Bible says, oh my God. It's like saying, the man got wearied of that man's prayer and decided to come out. So you can change God's mind. Somebody say, change God's mind? I'm just saying that the power of the intercessor. You can. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let me say this. If you love somebody and you find that the person is not going the way you were expecting the person to go, don't get angry, don't get mad, get on your knees. I don't know if you're getting this. Somebody is already walking towards destruction. Don't get angry, don't get mad, get on your knees. Because of those individual. God can change his mind. Praise the Lord. Are you listening? Alright. Okay. So, let's look at the role of the intercessor. We already, we've read Isaiah 53 verse 2. I mean 12. We read it up to, let me look at just verse 12 alone. And then I go to the book of Romans so you can write it down. Isaiah 53 Isaiah 53, verse number 12. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he has poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors, and the body sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. This is Jesus Christ now. Is that okay? He made what? Intercession for the transgressors. That is the first thing you're going to pick up as an intercessor. You are not ordinarily interceding because somebody is very righteous. And because somebody is not righteous, does not disqualify that individual from you interceding for that person. As a matter of fact, it is when the person is not righteous that is most qualified for your intercessory prayer. Are you getting this? So yeah, Jesus an example. Who did he intercede for? He interceded for what? The transgressors. Praise God. Are you getting it? Alright. Go with me to Luke chapter 8 verse 26. Sorry. Romans 8 26. The book of Romans chapter 8 verse 26. And this is what it says. Likewise... The Spirit also have our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit is uh, making intercession for us with groaning which cannot be uttered. 
Who is the spirit of feeding for? Those who don't know and I mean they don't know how to pray, they don't know what to pray for. Are you getting what I'm saying now? No, listen. I'm trying to define for you the role of the intercessor. Jesus prayed for the transgressors. The Holy Spirit intercedes for us because we don't know what to pray for and how to pray. So if you are an intercessor, you pray for people who don't know how to pray and even what to pray for. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And I, I'm going to make you see how powerful this is, this role that you are supposed to be playing as an intercessor. It's a powerful role which you must be conscious of. As you begin to see, anyway, let's move on. Okay, Romans chapter 8, verse 27 now. Romans 8, 27. Again, we just read Romans 8, uh, 26, now verse 27. And he that searcheth the health, knowing what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Praise God. Did you get that? The Holy Spirit, you listen to this. You don't know what to pray for. You don't know how to pray. The Holy Spirit intercedes for you. What happens? It takes your need to God and reveals God's intention for you to you by making God do what He wants to do for you. In other words, He prays according to the will of God on your behalf. Are you seeing this? Many, there are so many of us who don't know how to pray. So many of us, we don't even know what God wants. Uh, you are in the congregation, you have a lot of sisters and brothers and you know, whatever the case may be. They may not even know the mind of God. They don't know what they want from God. They don't know what God has for them. You, the intercessor, you are the one standing between these people and God to cause His will to be made known to them. Can you get it? Praise the Lord. So we find that the role of Christ and that of the Holy Spirit is here to help those who do not know their way in life and the ways they ought to pray is to help those who are weak. We can be talking about weak spiritually, weak mentally, whatever level of weakness you want to put it. And they take all of these weaknesses before God. So that God can help them out. That's the role of the intercessor. Praise the Lord. So, the Holy Spirit, even as Christ, is like an advocate. You know, and that is exactly who they are. The Holy Spirit is an advocate, and that's exactly who they are. Who is an advocate? For instance, if you look at um, 1 John chapter 2, verse number 1. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 1. He said, My little children, this thing write I unto you, that you see not. And if any man see, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. An advocate with the Father. Who is an advocate? Does anyone know who an advocate is? An advocate is a person who pleads for a cause of Propound an idea. He speaks about a counselor. As a matter of fact, an advocate is a lawyer or a helper. Did you get that? So, the Holy Spirit, 
just like Jesus Christ is an advocate. Meaning you as an intercessor, you are an advocate. Oh, come on. Are you getting what I'm talking about here? Now, this, this is why your life is, I would say, is, is a little bit different from every other person. Why is this all? Is it the lawyer knows what you do. When it comes to legal situations, sometimes are starting your rights. Am I correct? Are you following me? Right. The lawyer knows what it takes for you to get your inheritance, which you don't know. That's why he's a helper, that is why an advocate. And so if you have a case, instead of you going to stand before the judge and you don't know the right language to use to get what belongs to you, you get a lawyer to stand for you. Can you see what I'm saying now? Good. So, you see sisters and brothers and husbands and wives who don't know their rights, you, the intercessor, you're standing for them to make them get their right before God. Hallelujah. So, in this regard, oh, now help me. The intercessor is not a gossiper. The intercessor does not malink people. The intercessor does not insult people. The intercessor does not have separate group that he or she combined with to discourse the people that they are supposed to intercede for. What am I trying to say? Do you see a lawyer come to discuss his client's problem with you? And that's what I'm saying now. Because intercession is an advocate. Right? You can see a lawyer who has a case and then he'll be going to even the wife. You can see lawyers discuss certain issues of their clients with their wives. Am I correct? They can do that. Even, even in nothing profession, my wife used to say that. There are cases that she can't even talk with me, even though I'm the husband. Because she's a nurse. The legal rule by the profession is that you cannot disclose the cases of your patient even to your husband. That's an intercessor. So if you say you are an intercessor, you are a gossiper, you are not one. <laughs> you sit there with me. Come on, are you following what I'm talking about? It's as serious as that. You can tell me an intercessor, you are very flippant. You can tell me an intercessor, you are always, you know, with people, you are always talking, you are always, oh, that sister, ha, huh? we have been praying for her, <laughs> that sister, that brother, ha, if I tell you, you are not an intercessor. Praise the living God. Are you with me? Is it making sense to you? Because the intercessor is an advocate. And it's so powerful. It's so powerful. You need to understand that. It's such a strong thing that you need to know. And if we truly have intercessors, <laughs> I've got someone troubling me. I mean, he's talking to me almost about three weeks now about Nigeria, about this, about that. It's got so many things telling me about. <laughs> I'm just laughing because of all the things he's talking about, the Lord has never revealed one thing to me. 
And it's just like because everybody's moving, then everybody has to move. No. Intercessor doesn't move in a bandwagon. Hallelujah. You see, when God was speaking to Abraham, he never even told Sarah what God told him. Hello. Can you understand what I'm talking about? Right. Now, the spirit of the intercessor is so unique. He's an advocate. He's like a lawyer. You preserve the integrity of the person you are interceding for. Are you still there? <laughs> you know what I say? That brother, that brother, hey, it's only God. If I tell you what God showed me concerning that brother, if I tell you the things, you are not an intercessor. God doesn't show you things about people so that you talk about them. He shows you things about people so that you pray about them. Because when God showed Abraham the situation of Sodom, it was not for Abraham to talk about Sodom, but to pray about Sodom. Remember, Isaiah said it, I find no man, I find no intercessor. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 7, look at verse 23. Remember, I'm still trying to show you the role of an intercessor. Hebrews 7, 23. The Bible says, And they truly were many priests because, that's talking about the Levitical, I mean, uh, the old order, Levitical priesthood, because they were not so far to continue by reason of death. Verse 24, Hebrews 7. But this man, Christ now, because he continued ever, had an unchangeable priesthood, and the twenty five says, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto him and unto God, seeing he never live, I mean never live to make intercession for them. The verse twenty six says, For certain high priest become a us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens. Now, you need to also understand this. It's part of what I was trying to say. One of the things that qualified Jesus to be an intercessor because he was separated from the people that he was going to intercede for. Now, get the point. You can't be involved in the same problem that the person you are interceding for is involved in. It is only on one condition that you can be involved in that. You take the pains of the person. You relate out come to that. Let me not jump the gun here. Go with me to Hebrews 5, verse number 1. Hebrews 5, verse number 1. For every high priest, taken from among men, is ordained for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion, not that, on the ignorance and of them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is soon passed with infirmity. Marizin has helped, I mean, he ought as for the people, so also for himself, to offer for sins. And no man taketh this honor unto himself, but that is called of God, even as God that of Aaron. Now I want to show you something here. The role of the intercessor is like that of a high priest. And one of the things that qualifies you or the high priest to function as a high priest is the spirit of compassion. Are you there? He said, remember what he said here? 
He has compassion on the ignorant. If people are doing things that are not supposed to be done, people are sinning the way they are not supposed to sin. And you sin this. What is it like? You know that these people are ignorant of the ways of God. What is your role? Intercede for them through the spirit of compassion. So here we find that the high priest will have compassion of the people who are ignorant of what? Of the ways of God. Praise the Lord. They are ignorant of the ways of God. Therefore, the high priest has to intercede for them. And not just that, he also has to offer sacrifices on their behalf. What that is the sacrifice that you are supposed to be offering? It simply means your prayers for those people. So when you talk about compassion, it means to be moderate in passion, that is to be gentle, to treat it gently, to have compassion. You know what it means to have compassion with somebody? Right. So your role as an intercessor is to have compassion on those who are ignorant and going out of the way of God. So even if you see a sinner, it is not in your place to talk about the sin, but to do what? To pray, to have compassion on the people. Are you still there with me? Praise the Lord. Now, compassion itself is a human quality for understanding the suffering of others. I want you to do something about it. I want you to get this. What actually is compassion? Compassion is the human quality of understanding the suffering of others and wanting to do something about that thing. It's deep awareness of and sympathy for another suffering. And this is very important. So if you are an intercessor, you have sympathy for people who are doing what they were not supposed to be doing. And I will tell you something. If you don't have this kind of spirit, then ultimately you're telling yourself, you are not an intercessor. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, are we together? Right. If you, if you don't have compassion on people, if you see people do things, and I mean, you just get crazy. All you do is try to get third party to talk to him about the person's problem. You are not an intercessor. You should cry. You should weep. You should see pains. I don't know if you are getting what I'm saying here. Praise the living God. That's what it means to be an intercessor. Amen? Praise the living God. The B part of the intercession of the high priest has the spirit of infirmity. He said, he also has infirmity just like other people. Infirmity speaks of weakness in a man. In a man. So the intercessor do not have the superhuman concept of a better or more spiritual than you. Listen again. 
Two things qualifies you here to be an intercessor. You have compassion and you recognize that you also have infirmities. So you don't try to prove to other people that they are weaker and you are superhuman. You are not an intercessor. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen? You, you, <laughs> Aaron, the priests of Pharaoh realized that. They knew that they are witness as human. You as an intercessor, God is not responding to your answers, I mean to your prayer just because you are superhuman. You also have your own faults. But it's just that you have received this grace of compassion and ability to pray without all this spirit of supplication that others do not have. So that doesn't make you superhuman. I you say that with me. And you've got to recognize that as an intercessor. So that qualifies you. And when you recognize that and you pray in light and in the light of that, God responds because he also recognizes that you feel weak. You, you're a free man. You are a human being. Amen? Alright. Are we following? Maybe I'll ask you some questions later. I don't know. But I just want you to follow. Because they're very important. You, you want to pray? You need to intercede. Even as a wife or a husband, you've got to understand these things. You've got to know these things. Right? That this thing is a special grace that God has given to you. And can I tell you something? You're acting like a high priest. You, you don't need to carry the microphone. You don't need to stand on the pulpit. But you are a high priest in the midst of the church. In fact, you could be serving like a high priest on behalf of your pastor. Are you sitting there with me? Praise the living God. Are we following? Alright. So, let me show you something. We've got about 10 minutes more. Alright. In 1 John chapter 5 verse 14 is an interesting passage that I would like us to look at. 1 John chapter 5 verse 14. Sister, are you getting what I'm saying? You sure? Good. I want you to be close attention. 1 John chapter 5 verse 14, this is what the Bible says. And this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. Amen? Come on, are you following what I'm saying here? No, I don't want them to become this or record. Don't worry. Praise the Lord. Are you there with me? 1 John 5 14. This is the confidence that we have in God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. That means we could ask things that are not according to His will. So for you to be truly a solid intercessor, it means you should be able to know what God wants that you're praying about. And that you have the confidence that if I'm asking God for this, I'm going to get it because this is God's will. Is that okay? Are we here? 
And I showed you in Jeremiah 14, for instance. Um, I read earlier on, and the Bible says, Then said the Lord unto me, Pray not for the good of these people. Remember that? Good. That the will of God for that was, Don't pray for the good of these people. That's His will. Okay, let me show you something. Now, we have read the scriptures, and people often use that to talk as well. But they talk about the issue of Elijah. How I many of you have heard about Elijah? How the rain to fall, the rain fall, how the rain to cease, the rain cease. And James said, We are, I mean, Elijah is subject like unto us. Is that not true? And so we use that always to set up our faith to pray. And, and believe it, I will get the answer. But I want to show you a secret. Why Elijah was successful in what he did. But before then, I show you a secret. Why also he failed when he prayed. Some of us don't understand that Elijah failed in one of his prayer points. We are only thinking about when he succeeded, but we never knew when he failed. So I'll show you when he failed. Then you will understand why he succeeded. On the other side. Look at it. Romans 11 verse number 1. Romans 11 verse number 1. I say then. Had God cast away his people. God forbid. For also I am an Israelite. Of the seed of Abraham. Of the tribe of Benjamin. Verse 2 says. God has not cast away his people. Which he foreknew. What ye not what the scripture said. Of Elijah. How he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Now I want you to understand the simple definition of intercession here again. What was it? Saying, Lord, this is intercession now. They have killed thy prophet and dig down thy altars. I am left alone and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself seven times a man who have not bowed the meal to the image of God. Hallelujah. Did you get this? What was the intercession of Elijah? I am left alone. Do you know the meaning of that? It means I am the only man in the land who have not bowed down to God. And you said in your word, when anybody bows down to bow, such individuals should be killed because that's idol worship. So I'm the only one left. Israel have bowed down to bow. So what's the next thing? Kill all of the Israelites. <laughs> Did you get the implication? And God said, No, Elijah, you don't have understanding. I have 7,000 men that have no bowed down to bow. Did you get that? Now, he didn't pray according to the will of God. So his prayer was not answered. Did you get that? Very good. So this is why it's so vitally important. You pray according to the will of God. You see, so even though we use Elijah all the time to illustrate how powerful it is to pray, we should be able to know that Elijah failed even intercessory prayers against Israel. Because that was not the will of God. He didn't know that... 7,000 men were left unbound to bow. We have no ideas about that. So he was praying not according to the will of God. Did you get that? Praise the Lord. Okay. 
So yeah, if you look at it, it was a simple complaint. You know, we're just simply complaining. Right? We was complaining about the ways of the people and all of that. That is not what God has called you to do. God didn't call you to complain about people. Is that okay? Come on, are you there with me? God. Elijah was complaining about Israel, complaining about the people, complaining about what they're doing. He was the only one doing the right thing. God didn't call you to complain. God called you to pray. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen? So we can see the difference between Elijah, for instance, Moses, who stood to plead with God on behalf of the people despite their sin. Remember that? In the book of Exodus. Right? The sin. God said, oh, come on. Let me wipe off these people. I'm going to raise up another generation of people for you. And Moses said, if you will not forgive their sin, you claim my name from your book of life. You see the difference between Elijah and Moses? That's the true spirit of intercession. <laughs> Are you getting this now? Right. Now you tell me, why and how did Elijah get the rain to stop falling? You're going to find time. You study yourself. First Kings 18 and so on and so forth. Just go and read it. But this is the secret. God said in the book of Leviticus, If the people should worship idols, I will cause the heavens to become brass. There shall be no rain on the land. Are you following this? Now, Ahab and Jezebel, they brought in what? By worship. So Elijah leveraged on that and went to God. Hey God, remember what you said. You said if there's idol in the land, there shall be no rain. So he came out and said, according to my word. What is he trying to say? He's actually standing on God. Before God whom I stand, there shall be no rain for six months. He's leveraging on what was written in the book of Leviticus. So that's why Paul John said to pray according to his will in here it is. That's the secret. Did you get it now? Praise the living God. So, Elijah simply went and made a declaration. He was declaring what God already said. If my people should go worship idols, I'm going to make your heaven brass and your earth shall be iron. In other words, there should be no productivity, no fruitfulness. Your agriculture produce not is going to produce, rain will not fall. You know, I mean, there's going to be famine in the land when you go into idol worship. So, because Ahab and Jezebel they brought in idol worship to Israel, Elijah came out and said, Oh, come on. God, this is what you said. If you will not stop the rain, it's like you lied. Now, so, but you can remember what he said. He said, There shall be no rain before whom I stand, before the God of whom. I stand, there shall be no rain. So that was a tell you, oh, come on now. You have to know where to stand when you are making declarations. It was presence are you standing as an intercessor. You want to get a result. On whose presence, whose behalf are you making the declaration? Whose authority is giving you the, I mean, but which you're making that declaration. That's the important thing. Praise the Lord. Amen? Amen? All right. So, we also saw the example of, like I said before, uh, Genesis 18, carried from verse 20. That was Abraham. Remember that? Amen? Good. So, if you look at Genesis 18 and 20, 21, the Bible says, 
And the Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down, verse 21. I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it which is come unto me, and if not, I will know. Why is God saying this? If you look at Genesis 19, verse 12, the Bible now says, And the man said unto Lord, Have thou here any besides son in law, and that son and the daughters, and whatsoever the house and in, in, in the city, bring them out of the day of this place, for we have we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Now the question is this who was the petitioner? The cry of this place has come up to heaven. Who was always crying to God? It was Sodom and Gomorrah. It was lost. You see that? So you see, anytime, I'll be telling friends, when you keep saying, Nigeria is finished. Nigeria is this. You don't know what you're talking about. You're not speaking as a believer. You, you're trying to say, God come and judge this land. The only reason God came to Sodom and Gomorrah was because Lord, in fact the Bible says, Lord begs his spirits all the time. But think about this. If you look at this, this, this passage here, the people came and said, Genesis 19 verse 12, And the man said unto Lord, Thank you Lord, Have thou here any besides son-in-law and their sons, and their daughters, and whatsoever they have in the city, bring them out of you. Now, we are told that Saul had, and yet he claimed to be a righteous man. So, Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed, not because of sin, but because of ten righteous people. If God had found ten righteous people, he would let Sodom and Gomorrah be. Are you with me? Now, who was supposed to make that possible? Lord and the wife. Because Lord and the wife, my Lord and the family, they were already eight people. You needed just two more people to get the ten people that Abraham was asking for. God asked, Abraham asked for ten people. It was because he couldn't get ten, therefore Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. You are not called up in a success or to complain. No. Now you can see the difference between Lot and Abraham. While Lot was always complaining about Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham was pleading for Sodom and Gomorrah. That's what makes him an intercessor. Remember Isaiah 53? He made an intercession for the transgressors. You are not making intercession for righteous people. Jesus made intercession forward. The transgressors. Are you with me? So Abraham was making intercession for the transgressors now, which is Sodom and Gomorrah. And that is completely different from Lord, who was saying, God judges people. <laughs> Praise God. So if your spirit is always on, God judges the people. 
You are not actually an intercessor. You are just like the Lord and the wife. And of course, when the judgment came, he lost the wife too. <laughs> Praise God. I'm not going to remember that. Amen. All right. He lost the wife as well. Okay. You take time, like I said before, you go back again and read the book of Isaiah. Uh, I asked you to read Isaiah when I was giving the definition of, of, of intercessors. Isaiah 59. I read from 11 all through to um, verse uh, 17. Verse 17. That would do for you. Praise the living God. Okay, so let's just move on. You can try that translation in that particular passage as well. They will help you uh, to be able to see some of the lights that uh, God intended us to see in that particular passage. Okay, so now um, let me show you something here. Praise the Lord. Are we here? All right. Okay. If you look at the book of Second um, Timothy chapter one, verse number one, and this is what Paul says: "I exalt therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for how many people? All men. All men." And verse, verse 2 says, For kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who we have all men to be saved. Second Timothy 1, and to come into the knowledge of the truth. How many people did God say to intercede for? All men. <laughs> now, I almost wanted to say something, but I don't want to say it. That's going to confuse you. But when you look at your country today, can you intercede for all men? No. And that's because we don't have the spirit of intercessors. When we pray for all men, we change the wicked spirit. That we may not live a peaceable life. That's implication. It's difficult to be an intercessor. If you don't have compassion. It's difficult to be an intercessor. If you don't know that you too, you, know, you have your own weakness. It's difficult. But it's a pray for all men. And especially kings. Can you pray for your president? That's a hard thing to do. No, I cannot pray for this man. If we truly the Christians. <laughs> Praise the living God. It's a hard thing to do. If we understand what I'm talking about. So, to be honest, it says that it's not just a cheap thing. And I need to get that spirit right. I need it to bear the spirit right. Now, let me ask you. If, I, if you were to be an intercessor, what kind of prayer will you pray for Boko Haram? <laughs> the Bible says pray for all men. They are human beings, are they not? 
Then somebody will say, what are you talking about? That's why I said, there are certain things you want to say. You see, there is a way you pray for them, God changes their mind. Are you following what I'm saying? But this is hard. Now, how many, I'm not saying that is it, but how many of you understand, if you take time to the book of Jeremiah 25, God called Nebuchadnezzar his servant. Did you remember that? Why did God call Nebuchadnezzar his servant? Because Israel failed to allow the land to experience Sabbath. God said, sow the land for six years. On the seventh year, do nothing. Allow the land to be at rest. You start on the other side. But Israel failed and God said, I want my land to experience Sabbath. So I'm going to take you to Babylon for 70 years until the Sabbath is complete and then you come back. That's why they went to Babylon. And God said, I'm going to use Nebuchadnezzar to do that. Now, if you were to pray against Nebuchadnezzar, were you praying against the will of God or for the will of God? That's a problem. And so, I'll show you now how Daniel prayed because of that understanding. Jeremiah 27. Go with me to Jeremiah 27 verse 18. Oh, this is strong here. But if there be prophets and if the word of the Lord be with them, let them now make intercession to the Lord of all that the vessels which are left in the house of the Lord and in the house of the king of Judah and at Jerusalem go not to Babylon. Where that's supposed to be? If there are prophets, if they will hear the word of the Lord, let them pray so that they don't take the remaining things of captivity. Meaning, if we truly have intercessors in our churches, we are not supposed to be having backsliders. Are you following me? See, the ministry of the intercessor is such a powerful ministry. You see, it's not for you coming to church. Oh, that sister is no longer in charge. Oh, don't mind her. She's backsliding. She's backsliding. Oh, that brother. Oh, don't mind her. He's already out there smoking and drinking. You are not an intercessor. If you were to be an intercessor, that man can leave church and go about drinking. That's what he's suppressing. So do we have intercessors in our churches? Because when we come, we pray for all their affairs. God give me money. God give me children. God bless my husband. It's not intercessor. <laughs> Hallelujah. Was Abraham praying for himself? Was he praying for Sarah? <laughs> so, if we have men who can pray for the church in his will, and we have less, we are going to have less of backsliders because vessels here represent souls in the house of God. Pray that the vessels will not be taken to Babylon for the remaining. Praise the Lord. We have just about 10 minutes more, so let me go down very fast a little bit. Let's go now to the principles of intercession. I gave you definition. I tried to define who an intercessor is. Now I want to talk to you on the principles that you observe 
Daniel chapter 9. Reading from verse number 1. I see, Lord, and if you can walk with this, this group of people, if you can walk in the spirit of love, your prayers are going to be very, very effective. If you can walk in the spirit of love, I see, Lord, if you can bind yourself together, this group of intercessors, your prayer is going to be very, very effectual. You're going to change situations. You're going to have landmarks. And you're going to have some, hallelujah, tangible results that you are going to be praying for after this meeting. Hallelujah. Daniel chapter 9, verse 1. In the fourth year of Darius, son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Kaedins, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. This is what I was telling you. God said, you refuse to keep the servants. You go into captivity so that my land can rest for 70 years. After that, you come back. And God said that to Jeremiah. And so, help me now. Daniel was reading the books. He came across that portion. And that is why, like I said before, you must pray according to the will of God. And if you are going to be praying according to the will of God, it means you also have to know the will of God. And one of the places essentially where you are going to know the will of God is to read the book. Do you have your Bible? Yesterday the Lord woke me up at about 12 midnight. I needed to sleep, woke me up, and I never could sleep until around 4 a.m. this morning. I barely went to bed 4 a.m. by 6 30 I was up. And there was something I had to put up there on Facebook when the Lord was speaking to me. Was showing me how you can read this book and kill people. And read this book and save people. Hallelujah. You can be a Christian. Reading the Bible. But using it to keep people known to you. Because you have no accurate knowledge of God's word. You see. You may not know. But we have one of the father of faith called St. Augustus. He wrote in his book. The city of God. That. One of the punishments for the sins of mankind is slavery. So if you try to abolish slavery, you sinning against God. Can you believe that? I'm talking about the Christian. Huh? Doitos, Doitos, Eddie Doitos was a South African theologian. It was of the Dutch church, 1940 or so, 44. He said, God created in the beginning, when he said, let there be light, and there was light. So God separated the light from the darkness. Therefore, white men are light, black men are darkness. Therefore, there should be appetite. The Bible. Are you still following what I'm talking about? 
And the Lord started speaking to me. How people can read the book and kill and read the book and say, You can't be an intercessor and reading this book and killing people. Now, Jeremiah read and saw what God said concerning Israel. So, look at what he said in verse 3. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Now, he didn't call for a fast, he did it himself. Praise God. Because all we ever do. Oh, let's go for a five days fast. Oh, there's nothing wrong with that. If God asks you to, but there are some things He speaks to you about, He's not asking you to call people. You do it yourself and give the result to the people. Jeremiah went into fasting all by him. I mean, Daniel all by himself. He didn't call Israel. Verse 4. And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O oh Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. We have seen. Now watch this. This is very important. It didn't say, I have seen. We have seen. Why? You have to associate with the people that have the problem to be able to save them. If you don't put yourself in the position of the sinner, of the person you are interceding for, you can't intercede properly. That's why I talked about having compassion. We have sinned and committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled, even by departing from the precepts and from thy judgment. Neither have we hearkened unto the servant, the prophet, who spake in the, the name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belonging to thee, but unto us confusion of faces. As it is this day, to the men of Judah, and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, that are near and that are far off, through all the countries, whether they have driven them because of their trans- transfers, that they may transfers against thee. Praise the Lord. So, this is the prayer of Daniel. He didn't call people. He started confessing the sins of the fathers. I don't know whether he was born at that time. I don't know how old he was when he was taken to Babylon. But he joined himself. And he said, But in all of these things, forgive our fathers and forgive us. Remember, you said, 70 years. Now we are already 70 years. Let's go back home. It was the prayer of Daniel that released Israel from Babylon. He never called the whole church. This is an intercessor. So let me show you the principles here. It's already 6 o'clock. You still want us to continue? Alright. First thing is identification. Principle of intercession. Identification. The first thing. Daniel identify with the people's sin. You cannot intercede for a person you do not have a true identity with. Very important. Are you there with me? What did I say? Identification. Daniel identified with the people saying, We have seen. He didn't say, Oh God, remember they have seen. No. We have seen. Did you get that? 
You cannot intercede for a person you do not have a true identity with. For instance, look at Hebrews 4, verse number 15. Talking about Jesus. For we have not a high priest which cannot be taught with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all point tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Did you get that? Who was that? Jesus. He identified with our sin in order to save us. Amen? Actually, another typical example of the principle of identification. Look at Ezekiel chapter 4, verse number 4. Prophet Ezekiel. Here the Bible says, Lie down also upon thy left side, and lay the iniquity of the house of Israel upon it. According to the number of the days that thou shalt lie upon it, thou shalt bear thy iniquity. Can you imagine that? Praise the Lord. Are you there? So Prophet Ezekiel was one of such people who identified with Israel in a prophetic prayer. The number of times or days he was going to lie upon one side. He's going to lie down there, no movement. That is to say, the punishment of Israel was now upon him. Identification. Number of days that he lie down will depend on the number of days that are going to be set free. Ezekiel 4 verse 4. Did you get that? Did you see that? Praise the living God. So that's the principle of identification. It's so powerful as an intercessor. As an intercessor. Number two principle. Confession. Confession. Hebrews 2 verse 18. What? If he that himself has suffered being tempted, talking about Christ, is able to succumb them that are tempted. And this is directly connected to what Daniel did when he said, We have sinned. Is that okay? You confess the sins of the people, you confess their weaknesses. You are not only taking it upon yourself. You confess in it. Praise the Lord. Are you still with me? Sometimes some of these things you can experience from visions and dreams. Um, the highest I've had on this was when we started the ministry, one of my, my assistant pastors, you know him, I don't want to call him name. And uh, here was I in a vision, and I was, I, I was in the church, as it were, you know, the staircase. So I saw three people climb up the staircase, and they have this long whip with them. And um, they asked me, then I said, Who are you looking for? And they mentioned the name, We're looking for this man. Then I said, He's not here. So he says, I know. It's me they are looking for him here. I said, You are not here, go back. You know. But he was insisting that he is there. I say, he is not here. And as I turned to tell him, go back. When I turned this way, they stretched heavy whip to whip on this man. I raised my hand and he hit my hand. And for three good days, I couldn't use my hand. Until I called him and I said, Brother Richard, 
This is what happened three days ago. What is going on in your community? He said, Sir, what you just experienced is the truth. They don't want to let me have rest. It's from my home. That is intercession. That is to say, if you stand to intercede for people, you stand as a covering for those people. Are you getting this? So Jesus interceded for humanity. He became a covering. So when God looks down from heaven, He doesn't really see you. He sees Jesus. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Number three thing I said was compassion from what you, you read in the book of Daniel chapter 9. And so you look at Hebrews 5 verse 2, the Bible says, Who can have compassion or the ignorance on them that are out of the way for that himself also is compassion to infirmity. Daniel prayed with compassion for the whole of the nation. This is very important. He felt the pains of their being in slavery. Are you still there with me? Praise the Lord. He felt the pains of their being in slavery. He had compassion on Israel. You can't be an intercessor without this principle, some analyzer. Number four principle, knowledge. By the side, Daniel understood by the books the number of the years whereof the will of the Lord, I mean the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet. Like I said, this is very vital, vital principle. He said, I understood by the books. Knowledge. Very vital for you as an intercessor. Daniel got this from the book of Jeremiah. Now let me show you the place where he got it from. Jeremiah 25 verse 11. Jeremiah 25 verse 11. Are we here? And this whole land shall be desolation and an astonishment. And this nation shall serve the king of Babylon seventy years. Jeremiah 25 verse number 12 says, and, and it shall come to pass, when seventy years are accomplished, that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity and the land of the kings, and I will make it a perpetual desolation. Verse 11 says, And I will bring upon that land all my words which are pronounced against it, even all that is written in this book, which Jeremiah has prophesied against all the nations. Praise God. This is what Daniel saw. And he went to prayers. He simply said, God, remember, you said 70 years. And going by the record, we are already 70 years in Babylon. Forgive our sins now, let us go back home. Very simple. The same prayer, most like, that Elijah prayed. He said there should be no rain if there is idol worship in the land. So knowledge is very vital. That's why I say we pray according to his will. He hears us. So we can see that Daniel prayed with the knowledge of the prophetic word from Jeremiah. And this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. First John chapter 5 verse 14. You together? That's why you should read the Bible. If you're truly going to be an intercessor, you need to read the Bible. Very regularly. Spend time with the book. 
If you really want to be an intercessor. Because God will begin to give you some scriptures sometimes concerning people you're praying for. He can give you passages to read. He can give you words to talk about. Praise the Lord. Number five principle. Hearing the voice of God. Hearing the voice of God as an intercessor. Praise God. Are we here? Ezekiel 37 verse number 7. Hearing the voice of God. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking and the bones came together. Bone to his bone. Praise God. I prophesy as what? As I was commanded. Do you know why a lot of our prophecy does not carry weight? Because we are not commanded. But as, as long as Jeremiah could hear God, remember what he said. The first question was, can these bones leave? Jeremiah said, I don't know. Who don't know this? It says, speak to the bones. And the Bible says, I prophesy as I was commanded. Are you getting that now? This is the primary key of making prophetic words very powerful. Hearing God. You can't be an intercessor without hearing the voice of God. Accurately. Praise the living God. Alright, so um, I would like to stop, but let me just give you this. I'm just going to read a few things for you here. I need you to take it. Um, four things that you're going to be observing as a group of intercessors in this church. Uh, the question is like, can a city be transformed in one day? Or can a church be transformed? Can KACC water be transformed? If the answer is yes, you need four elements which I'm going to be mentioning to you. But let me first read this. In Acts chapter 9, verse 35, the Bible says, All those who live in Leda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. All those who live, that means the whole of those cities turned to the Lord. Acts chapter 9 verse 35. The whole of those cities, the whole of those regions, by reason of the work of the apostles in those places, they turned to the Lord. Meaning, a city can be transformed. Meaning, a church can be transformed. But how is that going to be? So it's like saying, can entirely be transformed by Jesus Christ? Like we find the book of our reveals that at least one city leader was transformed. And there are four ingredients that I want you to pick required among leaders and intercessors to see churches and cities transformed. And these are prayer, humility, unity, and knowledge of God's ways. 
What did I say? Prayers. Number two, humility. Number three, unity. Number four, knowledge of God's ways. We shall humble ourselves. Once we come to the place of prayer, we must humble ourselves. We don't, we don't pray like we know more than other people. We don't intercede like we are superhuman. We must all come in humility. We must come in the spirit of love. We must come united. Are you there with me? And we must come with the way and the knowledge of God. When we have these four things in place, there will be a massive transformation of not just our cities, but our churches. Praise the living God. No, I see. Knowing the word of God is very important. I mean, you read the story about uh, David, who wanted to transfer the ark of the covenant to the city. You know the story, right? Good. And it was carried on a cart. Remember that? And the cart was trying to wave, and Uzzah went to try to say, "Oh, this can happen." And because he was not a priest, he was not qualified to handle the ark. God struck him dead. What is it supposed to mean? He acted outside of knowledge. And whose fault? David's fault. The leader. Are you getting that? Is the fault of David. Uzzah died because of the fault of David. He knew or ought to know that the right people to carry out were supposed to be the Levites. And it's not supposed to be carried on a card, but on the shoulder of the priests, the Levites. But you went and consulted the cards. God's ways are not your ways. You can't help God. So who killed Uzzah? It wasn't God. It was David. Because he did it outside of the word of God. So when you come together, if you know what to pray for, you come in humility, you come in the spirit of unity, which is love, oneness, and you have the understanding of what God wants, this church will be a strong and a powerful force. There will be transformation. For anybody and whoever will come to this place, you will see the transformation in this people's life. Have I helped you tonight? Let's pray. I just need us to pray very briefly. And I want you to pray at this moment. I just need you to talk to the Father. Of all the things you've received and the things you, you've come to know, You've come to know, you've come to, as it were, believe that well, now I know that this is what it's supposed to be. I just need you to pray. I need you to pray at this moment. I need you to pray at this moment. I need you to talk to the Father at this moment. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.